you are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast presented by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not much. I mean... I mean, I mean, literally, not much. It's 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 the week right before the bye week. There is so it's it's actually a kind of the first quiet period we've had for quite a while in what has been a uh, not to quote the movie a fast and furious half season. I have to say, uh, uh, because of uh, all the different things that have happened with coaching changes and and yeah. Cowboys not doing well and COVID, it's it's been kind of crazy to get a, a week of reprieve of that to kind of collect your thoughts. And, and, and actually try to re-go over what has happened to us over the last few months. Yeah, I'm really thankful for this bye week, not only because it gives us a chance to kind of reset and recharge for the second half of the season, um, but also because it's Masters week, and I love golf. Hmm. So it's nice that I, I get to watch golf all weekend long. Well, we'll see. To, to we'll see, Marcus, game. because I, well, the weather's not looking too great right now. For what well, it's we, like. had a, we had a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay this morning uh, for the Masters, so I got up extra early to, to watch it, and I watched rain fall on my TV. So uh, it wasn't, a, wasn't a lot of fun. It's just very you know indicative of 2020. Let me just say yep. that. Uh, so coming up on today's show – uh, we are going to be talking about some preseason narratives that we had entering the year and to see how many of these came true, how many of these were false. Oh, boy. Um, and I want to start with this one, Landon. One of the reasons that, at least I know for me, that I was excited about this team entering the season was I, I was hoping that Mike McCarthy would be you know, a far more aggressive head coach uh, than Jason Garrett, they would go for it more on fourth downs. Uh, they would be far aggressive, you know, earlier in the games, you know, passing on first and second down more than what we've seen uh, from the previous administration. Through nine games, how how are you judging Mike McCarthy, and do you think he has been more aggressive? You know, I think that this is something that is actually kind of hard to judge without doing some actual analytic look, because you know the problem is is that. When you're comparing it to, like, let's say Jason Garrett, I mean, the Cowboys, because of their injury situation, because of whatever you want to say about this year, they put themselves in a position where they are not in a lot of neutral game scripts. And and usually they're out of neutral game scripts pretty quickly. So and neutral game scripts are kind of what we are using as, let's say, the most... Uh, useful sample, right? Like, because I, I think whenever you're behind or ahead, uh, it, it affects the play calling because you're you're play calling to the situation, right? Uh, and I, yes, and I, yes. I think that you know because the Cowboys have been um, behind a lot, we've seen a lot of aggressive behavior, and a, and I think 
me as a as a person who watching the Cowboys every week without looking at the numbers, it, it's easy for me to um, justify or not maybe not justify, but to to count that as well. They may be, be be calling the the game a little bit more aggressively, but a lot of that is probably because they've been down big early in a lot of these games, and they've had to come out and and throw the football a little bit more in order to kind of catch up. But I think that uh, I think that the numbers actually uh, tell a, a different story to a, a large degree from what I understand. And I yeah, you know, you, yeah. You fill me in on this because this was actually interesting because at first my answer was. I would say it was a push because it's tough to, like I said, for all the reasons that we ju- I just mentioned, it's tough to kind of parse everything and figure out where they are in comparison to the aggressiveness level of Garrett. And it's hard not to just give all the uh, – uh, to, 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 to account for all of that by by saying that this team has been behind a lot more than they've been ahead. But But tell me – you actually looked up the numbers here and tell me what the numbers say. Yeah, so going into week nine, so this does not count the Steeler game because I just haven't been able to, to get to data yet. But um, going into week nine, when the win probability for the Cowboys was between 25 and 75%, so basically, you know, a, a, a neutral game script, uh, the Cowboys were number one in the league in first down pass rate, early down pass rate. Uh, you know, we, we were seeing this team be extremely aggressive. And if you want to narrow that down to just when Dak Prescott was playing, you know, this team was blowing everybody else in the, out of the water on first down pass rate. So uh, that's what made me feel really good about this team and their aggressiveness. It's just it's so unfortunate that Dak had to go down because I think over the course of the season, once the defense improved a little bit, we would have really seen them rack up the points and build leads in the first half of games. Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's again uh, i think we're all kind of looking at this through the the lens of the way that the season has played out and i think that that it is having an effect on on uh, on our you know, on really on our on our takes on on this coaching staff overall, but I I, I know we're seeing so many bad takes well, online I, about and Mike I think, McCarthy, and I, I don't understand. And, and it, this man. is I really this, don't. Yeah, and, and let's just take a second to talk about this because I thought about this the other day. You know, a lot of the stuff that that you see a lot of former Green Bay fans coming out and saying, "I told you so," no, 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 no. Like a lot of that stuff that they're that they're blaming on Mike McCarthy is is not actually the stuff that they complained about Michael McCarthy in, no, in Green it's Bay. None of it. it's, no. it's about like the stuff that's happening here is about injuries. It's about a, a porous defense that is you know started to actually kind of turn it around a little bit, much to their own credit. If you want, if, if they can put two of these games together in a row, you know maybe they're maybe they're uh, uh, middle of the pack bad as opposed to historically bad. And and I think that all of this again, in my opinion, it's really difficult to try and pin or get a good evaluation at all on Mike McCarthy because of all of, of all the weirdness that's been happening. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that overall, any all these takes about putting throwing Mike McCarthy under the bus about the, about this, you know, as soon as the as soon as the uh, the rose is off off the the you know the 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 colors off the rose with the, with with this situation everyone pulls their knives out for Mike McCarthy and and, and, yeah, and it's just like Garrett and it. they blame it and they blame everything for him uh, on him so i yeah i think that you know from what we've seen overall d- considering the situation i have not had necessarily a negative view on the way Mike McCarthy has coached this team 
No, neither have I. And that's, I guess I just don't understand it. I mean, I know there's some, some media members out there that just don't like his personality or think that he's kind of coy or I, I don't know what it is. But I just, I've actually been impressed with the way that he's coached and he's been, he's been aggressive, you know, aggressive and fired up on the sidelines. He's getting into the officials' ear about some bad calls. It does seem like they're improving. I, I really think the Philadelphia game, what they tried to do on offense with Ben DiNucci, I really, I, I really respect it, right? They were, they tried everything to get points between running double reverses and wide receiver passes, and they, they tried everything they could to try to move the ball to keep that game competitive. And if it wasn't for a bad fumble call late in that game, you know the Cowboys had the ball inside Philadelphia's twenty yard line with a chance to win. So I, again, I, I think this this coaching staff deserves uh, more credit than they're being given. Uh, speaking of the coaching staff. Uh, let's talk about the special teams play because that was something that I was really interested in preseason. Uh, we wanted to see uh, just frankly across the board better special teams play. Didn't necessarily get it early in the year. I do think we're starting to get it now over the last couple of weeks. We had two big returns last week. Uh, you know, just a fantastic play design on the on the punt return. Uh, Craig Zerline's been pretty good this season. He's only missed a couple field goals. The punting situation has been bad, but I'm not sure that's their fault. Uh, what is your takeaway on, you know, the special teams play this season that we were hoping that was going to improve? I, I actually will push back a little bit and say that I think that the special teams has been better since week one and that's only by proxy of the fact that the special teams were historically terrible next last year yeah you know and well i was i was gonna say there was a few times where tony pollard messed up a couple of returns sure. and it wasn't great sure. but. but i don't know that that's like design problems you know what i'm saying i think that's poor choices by the kick returner which obviously reflects on special teams in general but i would say at the very least they know what they're doing you know, and, and and to the point, like I don't know that that was the case all the time last year. And beyond that, too, uh, you know, I think you're right. We started to see a lot uh, more of the kind of tricky stuff that is is kind of a hallmark of Bones. Uh, and, and I think that you know you started to see some of the stuff like the the helicopter kick on the on the onside kick. Yeah, and some of the other. There were some fake punts too that should have worked out, but one was just an awful awful throw, yeah. right? I mean, th- those kind of. Th- I, I I again. I admire the aggressiveness. I, I'm never going to criticize a team when they're aggressive. Now the execution needs work, yeah, but sure. the aggressiveness was right. Yeah, and that's and I think that's the thing is that, you know, at the very least, Bones is going to be hit and miss on some of that stuff. But I, at the very least, I feel like on a on a fundamental level, punt coverage, kick coverage, extra points, all that, they're they're not going to miss the fundamentals. And I think that that was a very serious problem with the special teams units. You know, I think Tony Pollard making a bad decision is is that's a bad decision at the in the moment. I don't think that's a uh, uh, an assignment. That's not indicative not of the coaching staff. Yeah. Error, you know what I'm saying? I, I agree. So yep, I agree. I, I think that I think that you know overall the special teams unit has been improved quite a bit, if only for the fact that there's a competent organizer leading it now. Yeah, I agree. That that uh, that makes a ton of sense to me. I, I've been pretty happy with what Fossil has done this season. I'm excited to see how the unit improves uh, over the second half of the season. Uh, let's take a quick break so I can tell you guys about Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. 
These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. I also wanted to tell you about DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, DoorDash app select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. Okay, Lennon, uh, a couple more preseason narratives. Uh, one was, let's talk Dak Prescott. Uh, we thought that he could have MVP type of numbers, you know, this season with all the weapons they had on offense, with the offensive line, uh, with an aggressive coaching staff. How did that play out? <sighs> Marcus, why did you have to bring that up? Uh, I know. I, you I know, know, look, I, I think it was playing out pretty well. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think when he was healthy, um, I, I think he was playing out of his brain well. Um you know, I think that there were obviously moments when turnovers were an issue as he was <laughs> pressing extremely hard to get uh, uh, to have it all on his shoulders to score a bunch of points. But I, I think we've seen the difference between having and not having Dak Prescott in this lineup uh, with the, with this with the Cowboys as they're currently constituted. Uh, and, and it's not pretty. You know, it's it's it, when it, without that ability to kind of navigate a muddy pocket, deliver the ball down the field in an exceptional way, make plays outside of the pocket. Um, you know, the offense is is has been inconsistent at best, uh, at very very best. Um, so I, I, I yeah, I mean, I think that you know the unfortunate thing part of that is obviously he's not really in the MVP discussion by, by any stretch at this point. Um, but I, I do think that. I mean, I think I remember seeing that even two weeks after he had gone out uh, due to injury, uh, he was still leading uh, the NFC, and if not the NFL, in passing yards. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll so, give you his pace numbers. Ready? Through yeah. uh, He played five games this season. He was on pace for uh, about 6,000 passing yards, uh, 300 rushing yards, 42 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So the interception total were a little high. Um but he was completing, you know, 68% of his passes. He was averaging, you know, almost eight and a half yards per attempt. Uh, he was a threat uh, rushing the ball. I mean, it's really sad. I- I'm not, I'm not choking up because of Dak. I'm choking up because I have a cold. Uh, but uh, no, it's just sure, sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, yeah. I-, I just think that this was he was going to be on pace for some historic numbers, and it's just really yeah. unfortunate the way it played out. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, that's why we were all just heartsick. And it was, you know, speaking of choking up, it was hard not to choke up watching Dak cry as, as they were, you know, carting him off the field because, you know, how hard. I mean, as Cowboy fans, we know how hard he works and how you know, how much he puts into this and yeah. how much he put bet yeah. on himself and how much he deserved to win. And uh, it's, yeah, again, even bringing it back up is, is, is really heartbreaking. Yeah. For somebody that was going to have like a 6,000 yard season, like that's, again, that's probably what he would have done. And that is absolutely incredible. A uh, couple more. 
How about Michael Gallup, Landon? We were we were worried a little bit that Michael Gallup could have been the odd man out in the wide receiver core. <clears throat> Seems like that was potentially playing out with you know Ceedee Lamb getting a bunch of targets. Amari Cooper was getting his general you know ten targets a game. Michael Gallup through the first five weeks and now through the you know with Dak and now through the first nine weeks of the season. The numbers just aren't there. He's probably going to finish with 607 yards receiving. The touchdowns aren't going to be there. Um, were we right on this one? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think we were just uh, – I mean, it's it's tough because, I, I mean, I think the angles as to why this is happening has changed, actually. I mean, I think a lot of the reason that Gallup has be, kind of been the person to take the step back is – I mean, not to take a step back because I, I, I think a lot of it is targeting. But oh, yeah, I, I, think sure. that, I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, he is the deep threat. So, you know, especially once Dak was gone – uh, you know, and and with Andy Dalton, I, you know, I don't. I, I think immediately he he didn't play one game, but I I do think that you know they're the the already kind of reduced uh, uh, deep ball uh, targets fell even further. I mean, I think a lot of what really sealed the deal for for uh, a chunk of Gallup's targets to kind of either be reduced or taken away was the idea that they, you know, the Cowboys lost both starting offensive tackles and, and that really kind of made it a lot less palatable to try to stand in the pocket and deliver the ball downfield, which is where Gallup makes his money. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I I think that, I think that we were right. uh, But I think that maybe the reasons that we ended up being right uh, might've been slightly different than what we had conceived of up front. Right. So, I mean, again, we have a long time before we got to worry about this because, you know, we've got seven games this season. We've got 16 next year. Well, what are your current thoughts about resigning Michael Gallup? Because I've got a feeling that he's going to get some more money elsewhere. He's certainly going to could potentially go to somewhere where he gets more targets. What do we do with this? Because I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's got a really good skill set that fits with Dak. Do we think the Cowboys are going to potentially think about resigning him? I know, I know there was a lot of people when the Amari Cooper deal came out. And they were looking at the potential outs that they could let Amari go after the 2021 season, bring back Gallup and go on with Gallup and and Lamb. But I just think Amari is a better player and probably a better fit as the X receiver. Uh, what, what What do you anticipate the Cowboys doing here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's difficult to know at this point. You know, I I, I think that at this point it's probably a you know it's probably a Gallup versus I, I do I do think it, it a Gallup versus Cooper situation, right? Like I, I just in, think if in, it comes down to that, I I don't think it's all that close to me, honestly. No, oh, no. I mean, as far as just like who's a better player, I don't think that those two things are close. But I think as far as you know, what you could potentially, you know, you have to include all the math here. Like what, what could you potentially get for Amari Cooper if you wanted to trade him? And, 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 you know, I I think all of that kind of plays into the decision. I, yeah, I have a hard time believing that uh, if they don't trade Cooper, that they're going to re-sign Gallup, you know? So, uh, and, and I just think that, you know, they, they, they have shown that they like, they actually like some of these down roster wide receivers, Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson. And, and this is a, a coach who, mm-hmm. who uh, has a lot of success in developing wide receivers. So I don't know that they're going to feel the need to necessarily, um, 
go out there and 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 uh, uh, try to sign Gallup to a huge deal or or go re- replace Gallup with a with a huge uh, uh, free agent signing. So I would not at all be surprised if they they bit the bill- bullet with Gallup, got a nice uh, comp pick for him, and then just kind of rolled with. Cooper and Lamb and you know Wilson and maybe another wide receiver shows up and again I I do think that and I mean I hate to I know a lot of people don't want to hear this but I think that the fact that Dalton Schultz has picked up his game Uh, this season and showed something I I think that there's something to the idea that okay now that Blake Jarwin's back Maybe we do want to play a little bit of twelve personnel. Uh, it, 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 maybe not. That doesn't mean lining up both on the on the line of scrimmage and that uh, run game. No, but, but you could use you, them at twenty five percent of the snaps together, right? And I also listen. Exactly. I also think if Dallas, like next year, let's say fourth round of the draft, they get somebody who they graded as a top fifty player. Maybe they do that, and they kind of start preparing for if Gallup leaves. I just don't think it's all that hard to replace that third receiver if you start thinking ahead of time, right? If you can get somebody in your system next year and start doing it, or maybe you sign Cedric Wilson to a you know a two or three year deal because again he's up at the same time that Michael Gallup is. Maybe you do something like that and protect yourself. But again, we've got a long time before we got to really worry about that. So, uh, but it is something to keep an eye on over the next you know seven games and into the off season. Um, yeah, especially real quick. I'll just add, especially with the wide receivers being, it just feels like wide receivers now are just pouring out of college football and, 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 and there's, you can get like, it's just draft class after draft. Class as long as you can find the guy receivers. in the right scheme and yeah. you don't rush him onto the field. Yeah. I, I do think you can get solid production. It's just so hard to find those elite top end guys. Right. Yeah. I think you've, yeah. See, that's the thing is that I think you've got two of those guys already with Cooper and uh, Flam and Gallup. It, I mean, Lamb and Cooper really any, yeah, three, whatever combination you want. Into, into what you need. Yeah, so. and, and I think because you have somebody like Lamb, who now now has a lot of experience playing in the slot, it just makes it easier, right? It's just easier yep. to find guys because now you're not limited to finding just an outside receiver or just an inside guy. You, it's it's going to be it's going to open up the talent pool uh, so much over the next year and a half. Um, let me tell you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. It's hard to even explain it. It's real chocolate with amazing flavors, and it's a great combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar with no crazy additives. Best of all, they taste fantastic, and they are releasing six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and apple almond crisp. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your first box at BuiltBar.com. Let's talk about those tight ends, Landon, because we had a feeling going into the season that somebody like Blake Jarwin was going to have a career year because teams were just not going to be able to to take away a tight end with all these receiving options uh, with the ground attack. Unfortunately, Jarwin got hurt in week one, and it's been Dalton Schultz you know, carrying the load over the last eight weeks. Uh, but he's absolutely doing that, right? I mean, our preseason assumption that this the tight end in this offense was going to have some big numbers is absolutely coming true, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the funny thing about this is that, you know, uh, the prediction, if as long as you make it generic enough, uh, it, it works out. It's just the issue was that, you know, we thought the person getting those big numbers would obviously be Blake Jarwin and not uh, Dalton Schultz. And, and I think that, you know, again, that kind of goes back to what we were, I was just talking about is that this is, you know, 
this is a team that because of the way that they're uh, constructed at wide receiver, um, they ha- there's lots of room to operate for a tight end in there. And, and I think that we thought that Dalton, I mean, I think I know that I was a big fan of Dalton Schultz, even coming out of college. Yeah. Pretty sure that you were as well. I, yeah, I, I, I was I middling between it. I, I think you and I, John Owning were certainly bigger fans than I was. Yeah, I mean, I just think that he had an interesting skill set because he kind of came in as a very refined technique blocker who uh, needed actually technique work in route running, but was actually undersized, which which made his evaluation very odd because he needed to get bigger and he needed to get a little bit better route runner. But I thought the thing that made him special is that he knew the hard part, right? He knew how to, to he knew how to block and how to get in his body in good position to block and do those things. So the hardest. The, the thing that's the steepest curve a lot of times for these tight ends is learning the position, the, the mental part of it, because yeah. you get to be an offensive yeah. lineman and a wide receiver, basically. And then the, the, you know learning how to block in the NFL and, and getting that technique down. If it isn't refined in, in the uh, in college, then, then your NFL is not exactly the easiest place to, to learn that stuff. But I think that what it's played out is that you've gotten uh, uh Better than I, th- I expected results from Dalton Schultz this year. I mean, he's averaging uh, l- over almost 11 yards of reception, um, and he's the fourth leading receiver on this team. And he's just gotten a ton of targets. I mean, we just talked about it. Uh, he's got 55 targets, just the same as Michael Gallup. You know, and Michael Gallup is technically supposed to be the wide receiver two on this team, even though C.D. Lamb clearly is the wide receiver two on this team. So yeah. I-, I do yep. think that you know. If you would have told me that Blake Jarwin was going to get injured uh, and I had to rank, you know, the 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 target uh, the target share of, of all the players on this team, I think I would have been pretty surprised if, if you had put Dalton Schultz above Ezekiel Elliott after, you know, after the the even after the injury to Blake Jarwin. But here we are. And Dalton Schultz has gotten more targets and he's and he's produced. I mean, I think that that's the thing that is really uh, a bit of great bonus for this year. And, and, and again, it's hard to find good news in, in this situation. But I think Dalton Schultz has really developed into a guy that could be a very, I would say, a very good tight end, too. You know, I, that's I think the way he's producing now as a tight end one is not maybe exactly what you want all the time, sure, sure. but it's certainly good enough. And it's certainly, certainly good enough for a tight end two next year. Yeah. So I remember earlier in the uh, preseason, this is actually like in the beginning of September, we did like a over under prediction on a lot of the skill guys. And I, I specifically remember asking you, uh, Blake Jarwin over under 700 receiving yards for this season. And we both said like slightly over, well, right now, Dalton wow. Schultz, Dalton Schultz, uh, despite not starting in week one, despite playing with, what, four different quarterbacks now? Yeah, four different mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Four. Is on pace for 700 yards and four touchdowns uh, for the Cowboys. And on the offense, that is, you know, over the last couple of weeks has, you know, dropped down to be being one of the worst in the NFL. So Schultz is basically doing what we thought or anticipated uh, Blake Jarwin would do. So that's uh, pretty incredible. Um, a couple things on defense, Landon, before we leave. Uh, we talked about this new scheme with Mike Nolan being better for Jalen Smith. Uh, we were hoping to see him blitz more, you know, be a downhill player. I want your thoughts on that, but I also want to talk about the pass rush. We thought with, you know, Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith and Everson Griffin that this would be an elite, elite pass rush. It has been at times, but what are your thoughts on those two preseason narratives uh, going into Week Ten? 
uh, give me the the other one besides the pass rush. I'm sorry, uh, Jalen. Uh, Jalen being better yeah. for Jalen. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I I think we'll start with the pass rush first. I I think in some ways, you know, it, it, it's different than we anticipated, right? Like, I don't know that we um, even with the most optimistic views necessarily. I don't know that we were uh, so sure that Alden Smith was going to come into uh, the league and and play the way he did early on. It certainly has tapered off these last few weeks to a certain degree. But I I think that the fact that he hit those highs so early, uh, I think that was surprising to all of us, even with the anticipation that this pass rush would be good. The thing that kind of offset that a little bit was I don't think any of us anticipated Everson Griffith being so bad. You know, and, and well, and, also and, Demarcus Lawrence got off to a slow start because of some yeah, injuries, right? Yeah, and and so you know, I think to to some degree, you know, we were wrong, but I also think that it, this is this should be an incomplete, right? Because sure. I've seen two I've seen two weeks of Randy Gregory. Oh yeah, and and I'm dude, I, I'm just convinced. And I again, not to suit our own horns, but we said this in the preseason. Don't be surprised if Randy Gregory gets in here and after two weeks is right back to where he was. He's just a special and, player. Like, and that's and that's what we're seeing, right? I mean, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a guy who is attacking the outside shoulders and then making swim moves so smoothly. Mm-hmm. The offensive tackle doesn't even realize what's happening to him, and he presents so little space for him to, to, to hit that he's already in the backfield. And, and, dude, this is a guy who's been sitting on his couch for This, this is years. what's so frustrating. I, I would love to see what Randy Gregory would look like if he could put two seasons in a row in an offseason where he doesn't have to worry about trying to get reinstated. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if he can just focus on football... Imagine yeah. the development that we would get from somebody like Randy Gregory. And that's, again, and, it's why I thought it was so smart of the Cowboys front office to lock him up. I believe, yeah, it was, it was early September before he was even re- reinstated. Lock him up to a two-year deal. Get him back next year because, I mean, yeah. e- even if Alden Smith doesn't come back, I feel really, really good about my two defensive ends if they're Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory. Right, I can fill in everything else. Absolutely. As long as I have those Absolutely. guys, I'm good. Yeah, and then you throw in uh, even with all out Alden Smith, you throw in what you think you've gotten Bradley and I. We need to get him more snaps to see, but even I mean, Dorrance Armstrong is a passable third defensive yeah, end if you totally. need him. I think I think the defensive end position is what we want it to be, and I think as far as the pass rush, I, I still feel like going in week to week, I'm still recommending that the Cowboys try to find a way to put the other team in passing situations because I still feel most confident in this defense when they are rushing the passer as opposed to stopping the run. I, I agree. And then just really quickly on Jalen. Oh, and Jalen. Yeah. So, it's just... I, you know, I think it's just bad. It's the, the problem is, is that, you know, we expected that they would use him in a different manner, in a manner that was a little bit more towards his skill set. And I just don't feel like that's happened. Right. It, they just put him at middle linebacker or sorry, at will linebacker, and then just had him play just normal off ball linebacker, which I, I just don't know that that's his skill set. I think his skill set is best when you can get him moving forward as often as possible because I do think he is a wrecking ball. I think when you have to have him in coverage for a long time or uh, or you have to you know, give him complicated assignments or you know really just chasing the run with there's a misdirection, these are problematic. I, I think that at this point you need to blitz him uh, more often uh, than they are currently. They need to give him specific assignments that he, like this is your job, not react. 
you you're doing this you know you're this is your job no matter what the call is uh and then let you know other linebackers handle the running hit aspect of this a little bit more just simply because he's getting fooled he's uh, he's either misunderstanding what's going on i i it's hard to say exactly what's going on but the boom and bust play of Jalen that we've seen that mm-hmm. we hoped would eventually just turn into boom plays has now just eventually turned into bust plays. I do want to point out that this was the first week um, since, I believe, two, uh, he had one game against the Rams where he didn't play 100% of the snaps. Uh, but this is the first game in a long, long time where he uh, was taken off the field. Uh, they put Sean Lee and Leighton Vander Esch on uh, some. Now, again, he played 90% of the snaps, so it wasn't like it, he was you know, not on the field altogether. But I am starting to wonder if the Cowboys just want to see what does our linebacking core look like if Jalen's not on the field and we have Sean Lee and Leighton Vander Esch. Are we better off? Uh, these are the things that they need to, to find out over the next seven games, and I'm curious to see what they do. Maybe, maybe we find out that Mike Nolan's not sold on Jalen and maybe linebackers a bigger need this offseason than we anticipate. So uh, just something to, to keep track of over the next uh, two months. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, remember, you can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.